Hello, welcome to the Daily Disciples Podcast. My name is Bobby Brooks. And I'm Tony Lee Adamson. On today's show, we're going to be discussing another amazing woman from the Bible. Her name is Hannah. She comes from from 1 Samuel. We'll actually share some of the verses about her, but we're really going to be discussing the prayer that she prayed and the power of prayer, how it affected her life, how and how it affects our lives today because we want everyone to know the power of prayer. Mm-hmm. And if we think about it, all religions pray. If you're an atheist, you don't pray because you don't believe that there's a higher power or a God. But everyone at some point in their life cries out and says, help me. Now, Hannah's prayer is more like a vow. She is vowing to do something for God in order for her prayer to be answered. And that's a little bit different than just a prayer because we enter into like a covenant with God or a promise that we give to God. If you answer this prayer, God, then I vow to do this. And that's where we find Hannah as she is in a desperate need, a desperate desire to have a child. And her husband, right from 1 Samuel chapter 1, he's married to two women. Hannah, who had no children, and then his other wife, who had multiple sons and daughters. We know that many of us have dealt with the inability to get pregnant or even to maintain the pregnancy. So I had three miscarriages, two prior to my first son being born, and then I had another one before my third child was born. And I can tell you, it's a lot more difficult having a miscarriage when you don't have any children than when you have a miscarriage and you do have a child. In this case, we don't know what Hannah's standing was with children. We just know that the other wife was tormenting her for not being able to bear children. And during that day and age, Bobby, that was everything. Bobby and I just saw the Barbie movie. Dolls were given from the very beginning so that little girls could imitate their mommy, so that they could be a mommy. Yeah, they were babies. They were baby dolls. And then when Barbie comes, Barbie kind of changes the platform to say, a woman can be anything she wants to be. Like she can grow out of just wishing she's a mother. Thankfully... God does not hold it against women if they can't have children. Wherever we are, whatever gifts God has given us, whatever desires that we have, as long as we give glory to God in that position, it does not matter if you don't have children. Now, I know there are passages that Paul says women are saved through childbearing. But what Paul is referring to is Jesus came through childbearing And the gospel continues through women having children because that is a great gift. However, women having a child doesn't save the child or the woman. Jesus saves souls. And so we again point to Jesus. That's right. But Hannah was in a relationship. And and Elkanah, her husband, had two wives. And it was common, even though it was really against God's laws to have multiple wives all the way back in the garden. It was one man, one woman who were to, you know, procreate and multiply on the earth. But a lot of the men had multiple wives. And so it was important that each of the wives had babies. And Hannah desperately wanted a child. Just like Sarah and Abraham. I mean, the promise was given to Abraham that God would give him a mighty nation from his genealogy, from his line. And Sarah was uh, around, how old was she? She was 90. 90, exactly. And he was 99 or 100. He's 100, right. Whenever Isaac was born. so And then Isaac barren. had problems. Yeah. And then Rachel and Jacob had problems. So we see this going all the way back to the beginning of the patriarchs that we have. 
But here in 1 Samuel chapter 1, Elkaniah is Hannah's husband. And he says to Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? I mean, he's sincerely meeting this. He knows that her heart is broken because of the torment she's dealing with the other wife. And he's saying, but I love you more. I love you more. And even Jacob, we knew Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. Right. But Leah was the one who kept having children. And in time, Rachel finally said, give me children. And Jacob said, am I God that I can open your womb? So Hannah knows the only way that this is really going to happen is through a miracle. So the next thing you know, Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, which is where the temple of the Lord was. And Eli the priest was sitting on the, step, on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant, remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And as it happened, she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth, and Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor, favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Right there, she knows in some odd way that when Eli interrupted her prayer, she knew that when this priest said to her, may God give you the desires of your heart, that she was okay. That she knew she could go eat, she could go home and not feel ashamed. And in time, in due season, the scriptures say, she had a male child. And his name is Samuel. Hannah waited three years till the baby was weaned. And then she brought Samuel to the temple where Eli was in charge and gave the child to Eli. That is, an, that is amazing that she kept her vow to the Lord. That in her desperation of praying, even just so deeply uh, praying within her heart that she wasn't even speaking to the point that Eli would think she was drunk. The intensity sometimes of the depths of our grief or our emotions or, or we're crying out to the Lord doesn't mean that we're always shouting or speaking in words that others hear. It's just in the depths of our hearts that we are praying. And Hannah actually vowed her firstborn and in some you know Tiel in some weird way she she showed faith that she would have more children because I mean you would you would think that to give up her only son that would be like that wasn't like the Holy Spirit put the prayer in her heart and we'll talk about that when we talk we get into the the power of prayer a little bit later but she in faith was willing to give up her firstborn, but deep down she had to have known, if this prayer is answered, I know I will have more. And this firstborn is yours, Lord. Mm -hmm. But it didn't matter because she was willing to go all the way. Someone on the Bible study Zoom group said, Hannah is a lot like Mary in that 
both of the children they had, both of the sons they had, so Samuel and Jesus, were not theirs. These women were instruments mm -hmm. that God used greatly to bring about his will, his way on earth. You know, Samuel is a great spiritual leader. He was a prophet, a priest, and a judge. Right. He was the first one that was all three. We just came out of the book of Judges, but he was also a priest and then a prophet. And it was under Samuel's reign or his roles that King Saul and King David were both anointed to be the first kings of Israel. And we don't have a book of Saul, and we don't have a book of David, but we do have First and Second Samuel. So the covering of First and Second Samuel led to the 40-year reign of Saul and then the 40-year reign of David. And then, of course, Jesus is the Messiah. He's our Savior. He is the one that has given us the ability to pray. He is the one that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy in time of need because our prayers reach the highest of heavens and make a pleasing smell or a pleasing aroma before the Lord. And so when we consider Hannah and her prayer to God, her intensity to go to the temple to pray. Do you ever find that, Bobby, that you have to like put yourself in a place to pray? Yeah, I do believe there is a posture and there's a place. It's not required for the Lord to hear my prayers, but it's more for me to be reverent and also submitted in a place. You know, it reminds me of the movie The War Room where it was a closet or just a, a place where that was committed or dedicated to knock out the noise and the, the no one can come into the prayer room and it becomes a war room because we're doing battle with ourselves and we're submitting to the Lord and we're bringing our petitions before God. So going to the tabernacle, this is before the temple was actually built by King Solomon. So they still had this tabernacle and they, they kept the annual traditions of the Passover and the religious activities were, were done by the priests. And so Eli was the main priest over the tabernacle. And once a year they would go to the feast in the, in the, of the Passover time celebration. And that was the opportune time that at, at one point it was, it was torture for, for Hannah because the second wife took advantage of that time to remind her, she never had children. It was also the place where Hannah really did meet God and meet the Lord in a, a way that I don't know how many of us could actually vow our firstborn. And she literally gave up her, her only, her first child to the Lord. I think about the prayer posture of getting on your knees or putting your face to the ground it's very different than when we say our prayers before we go to sleep, right? Mm -hmm. Many times we say our prayers when we're in bed because it soothes us and it does put us to sleep. But when I say I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer, I have an attitude of fervency. I have an attitude of awakeness. Mm -hmm. And it also means that I have considered the scriptures. I've considered how God's moved in my life in the past. And, and my attitude of being awake and alert puts me in a very different place of prayer. It's kind of like when you cry. When we cry, we pray differently. Mm-hmm. And here, Hannah is crying, but she is also fervent. How many times have you made a vow to the Lord in a prayer where you say, 
or anyone says to the Lord, if you do this, I will give you that. Often. I have made, it's funny though, as I get older now, I've actually written in my prayer journal, Lord, I can't make a vow to you. No, I, <laughs> I can't make this vow. Like, you realize that we're too weak in our flesh to actually fulfill the vow the way we said we would. Mm-hmm. And Hannah did. I mean, God knew he can entrust her with this prayer and this vow. But when I was young, oh my, I said it often. Really? Mm-hmm. I never did. I never did that. I, I, w- I kind of was raised in a, a, a denomination that prayer was definitely a part of our walk with Christ and prayer was important. But it would be years later before I would learn the power of prayer and knowing that the sovereignty of God, the the divinity of God, the creator God, the all-knowing, all-seeing God uh, has the power to fill us with the desires of our heart. And those desires come out sometimes in our prayers. And with Hannah, the desire of her heart was to have a child. And if we really flip the side and look at it from God's perspective, that was his plan for her all along was to have baby Samuel. And Samuel was, he was the game changer for for Israel. He really was everything that led up to um, them even having King and King David, which Jesus comes from the line of King David. All of that God foreknew what was going to happen. So when we're praying, we need to know that there's desires we have on our heart that we, we bring to the Lord not out of selfishness and that's sometimes i think it holds christians back from praying for the things that are on our heart because we think oh we're just being selfish well and hannah wanted a baby so she cries out at the tabernacle before the lord and well what's wrong with that what's wrong with asking for anything because how do we know that god doesn't hasn't brought us to this place to cry out to him for the very thing that's a desire of our heart So if we hold back and we don't pray and we don't position ourselves into a place of of petitioning and supplication, yeah, and beseeching the Lord earnestly with a fervent heart in faith, and in and I do believe that Hannah deep down had come to a place of faith that she knew whatever broke through that glass ceiling, that invisible ceiling sometimes, that our prayers we know reach the throne room of heaven, that God's really listening, that something changed. That's what happened with her. And yet, through God's sovereign plan, we can see that, oh, of course, it was going to be Samuel needed to grow up in that tabernacle because Eli wasn't going to be the priest to lead Israel into the places that God wanted them to go. It need, they needed a much stronger leader, and that would be Samuel, mm-hmm. who God would speak to. When we're talking about prayer today, though, there have been many times in my life that I prayed and God answered immediately, and I knew it was Him. Gave glory to the Lord. It didn't matter if it were a parking space or a lost credit card or leading someone to Christ. God answered my prayers. But then a season came in my life where God was not answering any prayer. Mm. And when you're in that place, you keep wondering, what is wrong? Like, what is wrong with me? Am I in sin? Like, what am I doing Mm -hmm. wrong? Right? Because how can heaven open up so clearly for these things like praying for a lost credit card, all of a sudden it's found, to now sensing that God's spirit has almost left you, I thought, okay, Lord, I know you hear my prayers. I know that your spirit is in my heart and everywhere I go, you go to. Right. So I am going to take a notebook and on this side of the page, I'm going to write down the same prayers I've been praying over and over and over. But on this side of the page, I'm going to pray different things to see If you're answering at all, like, Mm -hmm. am I just off? Bobby, I can tell you that the things on the second side of the page, Mm -hmm. God then started answering one by one. 
And I realized I need to stop praying for the left side of the page and start and put that down and trust the Lord. Because obviously my perspective or my words or my attitude about these things were either not his timing, not his way, or not his will ever. When I've said that to people, they kind of look at me like I'm crazy. But prayer is more than praying for just one thing. Prayer should be a relationship. Jesus says, I now call you friends. It, it's about talking to your best friend about everything. And God promises to never leave us or forsake us. So no matter what we pray about, the topic doesn't matter. The timing doesn't matter. The attitude matters and the relationship matters. There's a verse in Isaiah 50 verse 4 that says, God has trained my ear to listen like a disciple. We have to start operating in the spiritual disciplines of the Bible, which does mean the relationship takes time to build and it's through the word of God and asking the Lord to have the word of God speak to you. And if you don't understand, like, you know, your heart is being pulled about something that you're reading. Well, then we beseech the Lord or we intensely mm -hmm. go to the Lord and ask him to bring clarity about that. Sometimes it takes weeks for the Lord to really reveal what he's trying to say to me. But that's because we don't always have the ear to hear what he wants to say. And I, I guess I've learned that when I desire to hear God's answer louder than I desire to pray louder for him to hear it, that's when I really see God move. And he's not only moving through my prayers, he is moving through me to change me to align up with his will. So if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. But that means you first have to delight, delight. in knowing him. Right. You know, I think prayer is a very interesting topic and one that many books have been written about and many sermons have been preached and, and Bible studies taught on prayer. But prayer is, for me, it's, and I think it's something that we can all relate to if we're Christians, prayer is a personal part of our walk. It's our, it's our personal relationship with the Lord. And there are people who don't pray because they just believe well, whatever God's will is, that's what I'm going to pray. And I'm just going to trust that the Lord's will be done. And that's, that's a question we've gotten over the years in at daily, daily disciples is, how do I know what to pray for? How do I know what God's will is? And going back to Hannah for a minute, Hannah knew in her heart she wanted a child because her culture of the day and the time frame in which she lived, children represented favor. They represented a blessing. So to not have children meant you weren't in favor, you weren't a blessing. And so it was a very different reason for her prayer and of course as a, a young woman she wanted to have a baby so that prayer of Hannah is what started today's show and yet we can take the a story from the Old Testament a woman who we may not even be able to relate to in today's world because so many people have different choices there's contraception that wasn't around for many of the I mean, only until Bible days. Yeah, right. only until like the 1950s or 60s did we have uh, really oral contraceptive birth control. Birth control. Yeah. So it wasn't a, it wasn't an option in some cases for people to have children whether they wanted them or not. So the the culture changes, and yet prayer goes back to the same thing. It's Hannah had a personal reason for praying. She knew that. Every year they went to worship the Lord during the Passover. They, they knew their, their stories. They knew this amazing God. But prayer, in her case, was, was, came from a place of such need and desire. For us, when Jesus came, he opened up 
the, the heavens to us and said that anything we ask in faith will be given. And I'm pulling from a lot of verses in the book of John, the gospel of John. But basically, because we have the Holy Spirit, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we receive the fullness of his Holy Spirit, which, as you just said, T.L., should be with us every moment of every day. And that leads me back to the comment that there's some people who just say, well, then the Lord's will be done. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I'm not really going to pray about it. How, how do we answer that? How do people know what God's will is? How do they know what to pray? And should we pray for things that we want? Mm-hmm. You know, is there something wrong with that? Well, no, we can pray about anything. And Jesus does say, ask and it'll be given. But what's going to be given? What's going to be given is God's answer. That's what's going to be given. Because Jesus asked to not go to the cross. If anybody should get what he wants, it should be the Son of God on earth. And he did not get it. The Father said, no, this is my will. Well, Jesus said, not my will. But, I mean, obviously, they're one and the same. So but he you knew. think about it. Think As about a man, how he knew. Jesus, the man, mm-hmm. man God, goes to the Father and says, you've created the heavens of the, you know, mm-hmm. I've been there from the beginning. Do I have to do it this way? And he's saying it the night that he's going to get arrested. So we can ask anything, but ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. It's opened by having a relationship of understanding God's will. And I will add this to answer my own question. Is it wrong to pray for things that you want? I personally believe it's not wrong. As a matter of fact, I would argue that we should write down our prayers, voice our prayers for even the most selfish, most material things, simply because we get to praise the Lord for answering those, those immediate prayers for parking space or the huge prayers for finding yourself pregnant when you were told you couldn't have children, like Hannah experienced. I mean, from the mundane to the miraculous, we get to praise the Lord for answered prayers. And if we don't ever pray and ask, then we don't have the opportunity to praise him for the very answers that we know we specifically, even if it's just something we would never even share with anyone. God answers the desires of our hearts, sometimes without us even asking. And that's whenever we fall on our knees and we praise and worship him. Mm-hmm. So we need to bring, we need to know that there's a freedom. And everybody has different personalities and different perspectives on prayer. And so because of that, God knows how he created each of us. And there are those who have gifts of prayer, who can intercede for others and do warfare prayers and healing prayers and there's all these different gifts that the Lord has has given his people through the power of prayer. I would say the only type of prayer that is not respectful, that is not appropriate, and to really try hard to stay away from is when Our prayers hold God hostage. So Hannah said, if you give me a baby, then I will give the baby back. Mm -hmm. Okay. God still is God in that prayer. But when we say to God, I am asking you to do this for me now, because here are the verses that say I can name it and get it. And if you don't do this, then I'm going to stop praying. If you don't do this, then I'm going to stop serving. If you don't do this, then I'm just going to have a bad attitude towards you, God, Mm -hmm. which then makes us God instead of him. Right. It's as if we're saying, you are my genie that if I rub the lamp, then I expect you to grant me these wishes. That is not our God. 
Right. Our God is on the throne and we should be so thankful that we're not God because we do not see the beginning to the end. We do not understand what he's doing right here in the middle. And regardless of the Lord not answering your prayer your way. And I can tell you, Bobby, I've heard this a lot with women saying, if you don't save my daughter, if you don't save, then I'm not. Well, God's the one who grants salvation. We are not. We cannot pray anybody into heaven. God is the one who understands the desires of people's hearts, who understands the timing of things. And sometimes God delays doesn't mean that he's denying what we're asking. It just means we are put in a place of faith, which is what pleases God. And to add to that, he it may be answering that prayer in a different method or a different manner than what we envision. Because we're limited. We're so limited in our thoughts and in the range of our perspective. We can only see through dimness, dimly lit. And yet we think we know how God should answer our prayer. We, we, and many of us could tell him how we want it answered. You're right, Tio. We're being very arrogant. We're not even being selfish. We're being totally God-like to think that the potter can say, I mean, the clay can say to the potter, here's what I want you to make me to be. And, um, God is the one who is going to answer our prayers through his sovereign divine wisdom because he sees the full picture. He, you know, he knows the beginning to the end and the end from the beginning. He created us and put us here for a plan. And yes, there are seasons of time where our prayers seem to be just answered and everything's going great. And then there are seasons where it's just crickets and quiet as you just said, faith is what keeps us on our knees and seeking the Lord so that we know that like, just like Hannah did, how many times did she come every, how many years? It doesn't tell us how many years that she came and prayed that prayer. But that other wife had a lot of sons and daughters. So it had to be Many many years, but God did give her sons and daughters well, after just, she just gave up like, Samuel. Just like Sarah and Abraham. 25 years they waited. And even Sarah tried to use her, her handmaiden, her another woman having another son. Well, saying, if God's promised this to you, then maybe you need to do this with her. I mean, we do come up with very creative ways to try... To answer our own prayers. Yeah, to answer our own yeah. prayers. And it makes us... God, we we have flipped the role. And I've got to say, there's a lot of bitter women, bitter women. And I'm talking for the women because we have a women's ministry. Mm -hmm. And I can't say that I haven't been bitter myself about things. But whenever that bitterness has tried to invade my heart, it's that root of bitterness that destroys your walk with God. It just destroys your walk with God. It destroys everything. We have to learn to keep going back to the Lord. And saying, Lord, teach me. Lord, tell me. Lord, show me. And we have to understand, too, that there are people in our lives that have the Holy Spirit in them. And whatever they've gone through, they can counsel us through it. So try to get into the light, the anger and the bitterness that you have in the darkness. Like try to keep exposing it to the Lord in prayer, but also expose it to people around you. But keep talking to God about it. Because if we clench our fists and say, I'm not going to talk about this anymore not to God or anybody else, then we close down the Spirit of God. And really, our job is to submit and to surrender to the Lord. Our God is to be an, our God asks us to be an open vessel so His Spirit can shine through the brokenness, can shine through the sores and the pain so that He can do the healing from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And many times, our prayers are answered around us and not necessarily in us or through us. There are verses that speak to if you hold unforgiveness in your heart, it hinders your prayer life, your prayers. And if there's anger or bitterness, it hinders our prayers. I mean, if husbands aren't good to their wives, their prayers are hindered, right? I mean, there are things that God says just by the nature 
of how the world has been set up. It's not that God is saying, oh, you're doing the wrong thing and he's bumping us on the head. It really is just the way he set up heaven and earth. And we have to learn how to get in line with the things of God. And then we will watch the Lord move. I've had people say to me, well, I've just learned never to pray about this or that because it just hurts too much when God doesn't answer. I've heard that a lot. Well, God, and I don't mean to say this in a, you know, flippant way, but a broken and contrite heart, God doesn't despise. So being broken and hurt is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. The difference is be sure that the God of endurance and encouragement gets you out of that place. Be sure that you don't keep holding on to the hurt. And like we said, that it turns into bitterness. And Hannah obviously knew how to go to the Lord to have her prayer answered. Samuel, as, as we keep reminding our audience, Samuel was so instrumental in leading the Israelites. And yet his sons were not good representatives. They were not good priests. Eli's sons were not good priests. And when I say they were not good, they were literally wicked, wicked. And in Samuel, you would think his offspring would have such a great role model. You have to remember that we all stand accountable individually before the Lord. And so if our children or our friends or our family or people close to us or even people that we personally disciple or mentor end up down a, a path of what, what be, could be considered wickedness from a Christian perspective, it doesn't mean that we can change that course or be, be held accountable for it as long as we have our one-on-one relationship with the Lord. All we can do sometimes is just pray and intercede for our children, grandchildren, family members, friends. But some, I, I've watched people literally lose their faith over someone the they love of their yeah someone children, they love right? or a spouse even someone they love who is not following the lord the way that they think they should be that person prays and prays and prays and prays and god doesn't do what we want to change the person whether it be children spouse family members close friends then they end up losing their faith and just saying, well, God doesn't hear my prayers. Yeah, this is all my fault. I'm not a good mother, a good wife, a good friend, a good daughter, a good whatever. And then, and that is so that, that thinking comes from the pit of hell. That's what the enemy wants us to believe is that we're not worthy to keep coming back to the Lord in prayer. We're not worthy to keep asking for forgiveness. We're not worthy to ask for anything. And that is where a lot of Christians live today. And the power of prayer is through the faith that Jesus gave us when he literally gave his life for us so that we could have his spirit, know the truth, and be set free to pray and ask the Lord for anything over and over again, as long as that thing doesn't become its own idol in our life. That, as you just said earlier, T.L., holding God hostage over it or threatening the Lord that we won't serve him anymore if he doesn't fix this person or fix a situation because we have condemned ourselves in the process. The thing is, when it comes to Eli's sons, Eli was the head priest. Eli was the one that saw Hannah praying and blessed her and blessed the desires of her heart to have a child. Now, Eli had two sons that were evil, like you said, and they were working in the priesthood. And there was a prophet that came to Eli and said, because of how your children behave, you are held accountable, Eli. And Eli said, God knows what's best. Let him do what he sees is best. Mm -hmm. And all three died the same day when a battle raged. Now, I've often thought that when Hannah had that baby, she was giving her child that she dedicated to the Lord under Eli's care. 
me as a mother, I would have been saying, Lord, if he didn't do a good job with his sons, why do I think he's going to do a good job with Samuel? Mm -hmm. Lord, did I make a mistake in saying I was going to give Samuel to him? Mm -hmm. And that is not for us to determine. Because Samuel was raised in the ways of God, in the house of God, under Eli's covering. Samuel was in the perfect position when Eli and his two sons died. And to go, to, to go to your point of Eli, Eli being held accountable, that's a little different than praying for a child or a spouse who's going down the path. And we're not held accountable because there's nothing we can do with their, if they're an adult. Well, that's Samuel. Samuel was not held accountable for his sons. Right. There's nowhere that says Samuel was held accountable for how he raised his sons because Samuel stayed true to the Lord and true to the things of God. And that's our message today. We need to stay true to the Lord and true to the call on our life despite the direction family members might be going. Everybody has the right to their own timing. Everyone has the right. And we don't know what God's going to put in other people's lives to bring them back to the Lord. So we have to make sure we stay with the Lord in order to point those people back even in the right direction. So God doesn't hold us accountable for those things. Right. If we stay with the Lord. That's that's my point. We each stand before the Lord individually. And sometimes that prayer of intercession for other people is all we can do because there are many of you out there who have been praying for someone to change and they're just not changing. And at some point that prayer becomes an an, idol, an obsession even Mm -hmm. to the point that you can't, you can't think about anything else. And that's why we have to really in prayer discern and pray for wisdom, knowledge and discernment every day that we can truly know when to let go of the things that God's already taken care of in his way. And I've done it, of course, but then I've heard many women, because we we teach a lot on prayer, prayer workshops, prayer journals. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We've heard many women say, well, God says to keep asking. God says to keep on, like to keep knocking on that door. It's Luke 11. Keep, 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 keep. And I'm not going to stop until he answers. I'm going to keep, 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 keep. Yes, God says that. And the verse, the verses that God uses with the unjust judge, that the woman keeps coming to the unjust judge. And even though he doesn't have a fear of God or man, he's going to answer her prayers because he's tired of her bothering him. That prayer is a prayer of justice, of watching God's justice on the earth. That's not a prayer of salvation for other people. That's not a prayer of, you know, of things that God already has control of in the eternal clock. Mm -hmm. That prayer is a prayer of, Lord, this is wrong. What's happening to me is wrong, and I need justice on this earth. That's a prayer that we see in Revelation 8, that the souls under the altar are saying, when will you avenge our blood Mm -hmm. on earth? When, Lord, will you? And God literally says, not yet, not yet. But those are prayers that we can keep praying and keep praying. But it's also a prayer that we're trusting God to do it. And we might not ever see it in our lifetime, but we're going to trust God. Now, all these other prayers that we keep saying, unless God, unless God, those prayers do become idols. It becomes almost repetitious prayers. We know exactly what we're going to pray because every day we pray for the same thing in the same way. Well, start asking the Lord to work through your life in different ways. Sometimes I've had to say, Lord, you heard this prayer the first time I prayed it. Now it is becoming an obsession that I'm becoming angry with you, Lord. Mm -hmm. You're not changing them. Maybe that means because you want to change me. So I am going to give this to you. I'm going to lay this on your altar. And Lord, prick my heart when it's time for me to pray about it again. Or change my perspective so that when I come back to you to pray, it'll be answered. Lord, do what you have to do, but let me remain surrendered and submitted to you so that I don't become ineffective 
as a spiritual being on this earth. Do you think that the older we get, the longer we've known the Lord, the more Bible studies we've done, the more, um, or maybe the less uh, hopeful we are in answered prayer, maybe we, we kind of have become a little crusty around the edge mm-hmm. as we get older, more... We become intolerant of the Lord well, we, <laughs> in his ways. We have a wisdom as you get older, you know things. So it kind of happens without realizing it that we outthink God. We think we outthink God. We think God. we outthink yeah. God and we, we, know we, we know his patterns in our lives. And we, we've kind of been around the bend with the Lord and we, we know kind of the routine. And the older we get, the, the less childlike we become. Mm-hmm. You're right. Um, the the less faithful we are. You know, in yeah. some ways it's... Well, I do think also there's certain verses we've quoted our whole life. And then there's times that God just wants to give you new verses. There are verses, of course, that you go the extra mile. You're the good Samaritan. You're, you're the one that constantly lays down your life for others that you're called to love. But there's also verses in the Bible that say... Do not tolerate that person, Jezebel. There's also verses that say, flee, run. We have to remember that God's spirit works in every situation. And as many times that he says, go, be blessed. He also says, stop and rest. It goes both ways. And and I think we, we just get so used to a pattern in our lives, a comfort Bobby, you and I have moved often, and it is hard to move. So most people just don't, mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of how it is with prayer. It is hard to beseech the Lord. It is hard to remain disciplined and to remain fresh in prayer. It is hard to hear God say, I'm not going to answer it that way. I'm going to answer it a different way. Or read the word and go, what? Mm-hmm. What? I didn't expect you to say that, Lord. It is hard to remain soft, but that's the only way we can be effective. And don't we all pray, help us to hear well done, good and faithful servant. And that well done is at the end of our life, not just a period of time of our life. I know. I know. John says that the first will be last and the last will be first. And the gospel of John referring to John the Baptist as mature Christians, as those of us who have known the Lord for longer periods of time, we need to take heed and seek out God and His will and His ways as a child, and that we're not necessarily the first in line because we've known Him longer, because we've prayed more, because we've we know the word more, that we've been to church more. All these things don't line up in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are going to be people in heaven that we're going to be surprised are in heaven. And we have to trust the Lord for not only the beginning of heaven and earth, but the beginning of our lives, the beginning of time, and then for eternity down forever. I think a really good topic we should talk about on the, uh, a podcast coming up soon is how the world is shaping us for this kind of dumbed down, numbing effect of our senses related to the things of God. Our, our world is training us, and it's biblical in the end times, and the end times could be I mean, Jesus said no one knows the day or time. But we are being programmed for things to come. And certainly the younger generations um, have a very different world than what the boomers and the people born from the 60s and 70s have. We have a different perspective. We remembered the rotary phone. But I do think it would be a great topic to talk about the delusion of the enemy. Yeah, and how, and how it, we can stay fresh. Affects, yeah, yeah, and how we need to be aware of the enemy who is roaming about, seeking whom he will devour. He talks about the wiles or the schemes of the enemy. I think a lot of Christians are confused in the world today. What's good and what's bad? What's evil? 
and what's justice, you know, what's wicked and what's, what's good and is artificial intelligence bad? Is the internet bad? There's so many things that just 10, 20 years ago, we thought were of the devil, like the internet that now we don't even think about the internet. We're th- we're talking about AI. So that might be a good topic to, uh, mm-hmm. to bring in as a, something that for all Christians that are grappling with their grandchildren or great grandchildren's mm-hmm. world that they're going to be living in. Well, the next woman of the Bible we're going to study is Michael. She does not have the heart of God. And uh, that's kind of what you're talking about, too, mm-hmm. that, that even though she is a significant person in the Word of God, as she is one of David's wives, we see her own demise as a result of her attitude towards worship mm-hmm. and, uh, and the ways of the world versus the way of God. Yeah. But right now we're going to close out this woman of the Bible, whose name is Hannah, who knew how to beseech the Lord in prayer and how she was greatly blessed as she poured out her heart to the Lord and then made a vow to give up her son. He became an amazing man and two books of the Bible are named after him and she is really the role model of you know, our life and faith. Putting ourselves in a position and a place of feeling as though we're in the temple of the Lord. Mm -hmm. I think of the verses in Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah has a vision of the Lord seated in his temple. High and lifted up. Yeah, and that that is such an amazing visual to put ourselves at the foot of the Lord or at the in the temple or at the base of the altar or the foot of the cross, wherever you feel that you're closest to the Lord, uh, sometimes I'm in the garden of Gethsemane. Sometimes I'm in, you know, it just depends, but it's between me and God mm-hmm. and that the words may or may not even come out of my mouth in a physical way. And sometimes I don't even know what to pray mm. and the spirit gives us unctions or things that we don't even know what we're saying, That's but the Lord it, knows. Right. Romans eight. And that does not mean. just the gift of tongues that does not mean that all right well thank you so much for joining us today on daily disciples podcast my name is tony lee adamson i'm bobby brooks and we hope to see see you soon. soon